Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it's the Cup of Tea Show with me, Gareth Roberts, and delighted to have Amanda Jacks back on here. She's been on before. Uh, works with the Football Supporters Federation and is a good person to go to should you end up in any kind of trouble around the football match. Uh, FSF Fair Cop on Twitter. Uh, uh, Twitter feed is a particularly good read, I find, on issues around policing, stewarding, etc. and so on, the way fans are treated and around football. Um, Amanda... We got you in really to have a chat um, to follow on from having Clifford Stott on and follow on from having uh, Owen West on the other week as well. So so the third in a trilogy of how fans are treated type podcasts really. But what we wanted to talk about was stewarding really. But I thought but something's happened this week which I thought was worth a chat at the top of the podcast if you like. Which is there was a program on on Channel Four, uh, Dispatches program. Uh, was it Monday or was it Tuesday? It was remember. Monday. Monday, yeah. um, and it was it was called Trouble on the Trains, and basically um, they'd secretly filmed on trains with British Transport Police over a period of twelve months, um, but decided to just pin it on football fans uh, first, which is the first important thing to say, because I watched the program. And it detailed some behaviour which was clearly out of order, which was dealt with, which included racist songs, which included bully and mistreatment of other passengers, that type of thing. But it, a few things struck me about it, really. I wouldn't condone any of that behaviour, obviously. Um, I think it's only fair that they're treated in a certain way, those those, those people. But but why single out football fans? Why, why have a conversation about what happens on trains only in respect of football fans? What about fans of other sport? What about people using the train late on a Saturday night who've had a drink? It, it, it always seems to me, maybe I'm paranoid as a football fan, but it seems to me that football fans are the easy go-to to give a kick up the arse and say, look at these knobheads. I think you're right. I think football is an easy go-to because it continues the narrative, doesn't it, that football fans are all hooligans and can't behave unless mm. they're contained by police. And as you say, you know, there's absolutely no condoning the behaviour that we saw on that. It was pretty horrific in some cases. However, if you were a cynic, you could wonder if BTP made the programme in conjunction with dispatches more about their budget. I don't know if you follow Twitter, but BTP were tweeting during the day. Guess how much it costs us to... um, I was going to say tweet the football. um, Police the football, £5 million. But when you say police the football... 
what does that actually mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it's difficult to get a precise figure of how many football fans travel on the trains every season, but I would imagine it's probably low millions, you know, if you take into account all the European Cup games, blah, mm. blah, blah. Out of all those millions of people that travel, dispatches found four or five incidents yeah. that they deemed worthy. Now, if they were, this is really difficult because you always sound like you're condoning it, which of course you're not. But if that was the worst that they could find to feature on that programme, you just wonder, not is it so bad because it shouldn't be happening at all. But ultimately, football fans reflect society, don't they? And as you say, you know, football fans aren't the only users of the railway networks. You've got rugby fans and cricket fans and race goers and stag parties and hen parties, school kids, college kids. And I don't want to turn this into a massive competition. But if anyone tells me that none of nobody from those groups misbehaves, I would find that incredibly, exceptionally hard to believe. Uh, it's the it's the failure as well to sort of offer up any context. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to write something on this as well at the moment. And, you know, I've watched it again. And I, I've listened more carefully to the language used by the presenter, and he talks about you know innocent people on trains and being caught up in this, and yeah, you know the language is very inflammatory. The, 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 there's, there's statements made like you know sort of hate crimes on on, on football-related transport or something have gone up a third, but there's no it doesn't detail what that third is from what to what how many trains are there like you say you know where there isn't a problem, how many times do football fans get a, tra- a train and there's no problem whatsoever. And again, it's something I sort of object to because, you know, I, I go home and away quite regularly. I get trains to and from London with football fans on them and I haven't, I've never seen any incidents. Um, in fact, quite the op- opposite. I've seen lots of people having fun, and including people who were on the train who weren't anything to do with the football, having a laugh with the football fans. And it's, it, it's that context, really. It's the fact that these things always seem to get pulled out and, you know, going back to the sort of when Arsenal played Cologne and I know you were around on that day. You know, how that was reported was, well, I remember the Sun and obviously wouldn't expect anything different from them, but they they referred to thousands of football hooligans, literally literally used nonsense. that phrase. Yeah, Absolute nonsense. This playing of the public as being fragile souls is, I think, really quite interesting because we're not, you know, we, we all live in big cities. I th- most of us... I wouldn't say unshockable, but we take things in our stride. Now, if, if people, if a load of football fans turned up in a quiet little village in the middle of nowhere, yes, I can absolutely see it would perhaps alarm people. But going back to the Cologne thing, I was there, as you say, I went to have a look. Everyone had their phones out. They were filming it. They were enjoying the spectacle. They were enjoying something quite unusual happening in our streets. And like you, I travel on trains a lot. And my experience is generally people do join in you know they're not scared they don't hide in the corner and sort of like whimper with fear and it's quite interesting a couple of years ago virgin shot virgin trains shot themselves in the foot massively it was around a rugby world cup and they issued flyers to people saying it's rugby world cup going on the trains are going to be really packed don't bring too much luggage on blah 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 oh and by the way rugby fans really enjoy singing if you hear them singing join in when it comes to football, football fans are travelling on the train this weekend. If you see anything, please phone this number to report yeah. it. What, what does that tell you? Exactly. I don't even have to go any further, yeah. do I? It, it just speaks for itself. And the trains are so often dry trains. The trains are so often you, you're accompanied by transport police who 
don't seem to be particularly employed in doing much other than walking up and down carriages. And there's a thing here, isn't there, a wider thing in that, you know, not just British Transport Police and not just police at the match and not just the students, but in general, the people who are sort of managing fans around football games, what, what I've found, what, what my experience too often has been is it, it's a negative experience almost for the sake of it. So you're treated as though you've done something wrong before you've done something wrong. And, you know, you're turning up at, at matches and you're, you, you, you know, you looked at you looked at in a certain way. You're spoken to in a certain way. You know, you're kettled into certain areas at certain games. You're kept behind at other games, and it's sort of, you know, we spoke to Owen West, and obviously would would encourage anyone who, who didn't hear that podcast to listen to that one. But one of the things we got into with him is that you know there is another way here, isn't there? It doesn't have yeah, to be no, that it way. It doesn't. It doesn't. But the, but the whole dynamic is really interesting. I mean, the, the dispatches program perpetuated a certain narrative didn't it uh, and it was all very like you say very very solemn tones I yeah. mean what we saw was really bad and neither one of us are going to try and make out that it was anything it wasn't but as you say the complete and utter lack of context the complete and utter lack of numbers of people who travel on the railways and also but when it comes to dealing with the behavior that we saw on the train you know hate crime and discrimination as I said on Twitter you can't prosecute your way out of that problem you know there's a place for prosecution absolutely but there's also a place for restorative justice which is fairly routine away from football it's a tool that the police use quite a lot but in football it's quite unusual but we're now starting to really promote this on a case-by-case basis because a lot of people do just open their mouths don't they and stuff comes out do they mean it or not only the person who says it understands but whether they mean it or not it causes offense it causes hurt it causes upset isn't it better to sit down with people and talk them through their behavior talk them through their mindset and just point out that you might think it's banter or fun or whatever but it's actually not you know at worst it's illegal at best it's offensive i mean that that jewish man on the train that was just awful wasn't it it? prosecute those people but also educational courses with them because that they like I said, you can't prosecute your way out of this problem that's a society problem, certainly not just a football problem. Yeah, and I think that, that's really worth saying as well. And, and I remember when we did something with John Barnes uh, a while ago and we were talking to him about racism and football and that sort of thing, and, and that was exactly what John said. He said everyone talks about racism and football, but it's not up, it's not up to, almost not up to football to solve that problem. It's a society problem. It's an education problem. It, it's it's long it's a long standing issue in society, not an issue just in football. So it's there is a question as to why it's always football that's sort of held up to the light so often. But but getting on to what we what we got you in for and what what we had the chat about before you came down was you've got concerns not only about how football ma- matches are policed at times. But also how the stewarded and who those people are and how they act as well, haven't you? Absolutely. Um, policing broadly has got better. You know, if I was on five years ago, we'd be having a very different conversation. But I think football clubs have been quite, how should I say, slow in seeing the writing on the wall when it comes to policing. We've all seen the police pull out of our stadiums more and more. Certainly down in London, you don't see police in stadiums that often. And if you do, it's a minimal number. Of course, with the odd exception like Arsenal Spurs, where you will see the police. This was so easy to see coming. In my view, the um, football clubs should have prepared for this. They should have started training stewards better. They should have started getting more in-house stewards in. They should have started looking at the training because what we're seeing now is 
football clubs relying more and more on outside agencies to provide the stewards. Now, of course, there's loads of stewards out there who do a really, really good job. And let's face it, would any of us stand there for £7 an hour and put up with... We wouldn't. Um, but it, it's not your sort of average match day steward. There you are, lad, your seat's over there that worries me. It's the response teams that more and more clubs rely, are reliant on. And I think a lot of these response teams are probably doormen who are probably used to work in the nightclubs and the pubs, they don't necessarily have transferable skills to bring into football stadiums. They don't understand for how football fans behave. And shall we say they probably don't have the best communication skills either. So what we're seeing now is a more physical approach to mm. problems. We're seeing minor incidents happening that could be talked down, but instead, if, if the average match day steward can't deal with it, then the response team could, could go in. And what do the response teams do? You know, they get physical, they push people around, they swear, and then they can just sort of turn a minor incident into something more serious. And at the worst end of the scale, we've seen, you know, I've tweeted the pictures, you know, we've seen stewards putting fans in headlocks. City at Bournemouth, yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably one of the worst case scenarios that that we've seen. It's incredibly rare, but people can die. Yeah from being held around the neck because I think it's positional asphyxiation it's called so if you've got like a slightly built lad on the floor with a 10 20 10 stone 20 stone steward on top of him with his arm around their neck you don't have to be a doctor do you to work out worst case scenario there and again that's about sort of almost understanding the situation isn't it so if, if Man City score a last minute winner at Bournemouth or injury time winner even then fans are going to celebrate, and you know some of them might spill over. But 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 what are you getting them in a headlock for? Because what are they doing? They're, they're, they're not doing. they're not coming on the pitch to hit people. They're not coming on the pitch to rip it off. They're just celebrating, and and you know, in probably 30, 40 seconds later, they'd all go back again. And, and actually, no yeah. one's actually caused. But but no one seems to think that it's straight away. It's about being confrontational, headlocks, pushing. You know what have you and and it seems it seems to me very easy as well just sort of following your twitter feed as well that and just read you know i've started to read local local press a bit more all over the country about about banning orders and, so, and stuff like that and a lot of them just seem to be handed out like confetti for for relatively little loads of incidents of people celebrating goals for instance and ending up spilling over advertising and hoardings or whatever and that to me that's not what that's for. That shouldn't be no. what it's for. I mean, banning orders were brought in to prevent violent disorder yeah. and affray, but they're now a catch-all. I mean, going back to the discrimination, banning order, banning order, banning order. Banning orders weren't designed to stop that sort of thing. They were designed to stop the violence, which is more or less now not a thing of the past. We still see it, but it's increasingly rare. But just just touching back on the Bournemouth situation with the Man City fans, we've all seen scenarios like that, haven't we? Like you you said, last minute winner, people go mad, they surge. What those stewards are seeing isn't a safety problem. They are seeing a public order problem. So their immediate response isn't to just either let it play out naturally like you said you know it'd be over and done with it within 60 seconds people would naturally go back to their seats they are thinking shit there's going to be a massive pitch invasion that they're going to go up to the home fans and attack them so we see stewards pushing people back in to a surge 
that doesn't solve anything, does it? it? It's completely unnecessary and it could potentially cause a worse scenario or it could cause injuries. But it, it's the mindset. You know, football talks are very, very good talk about wanting newer fans to come in, families to come in, mm. and they want it to be lovely and friendly and cosy and warm. But that's a different subject altogether. But what they do, they don't actually treat people in the way that they want to be treated. Um Particularly away fans. I mean, how many times have you turned up at an away ground? You don't want to be called sir, do you? But it would be nice. All right, mate, you know, looking forward to the game today. What do you think? How often does that happen? Not enough. It has happened. I've had it. But but I totally agree with you and I was going to say the same thing. Oddly enough, I've actually had it when, that's probably the last time Blackburn Rovers were up, but I've had on the approach to Blackburn's ground, on the approach to Ewell Park, I was filmed by a policeman for no apparent reason, uh, to which the response of some of the fans I was with was to film the policeman back. And then that obviously you know, results in you know, the, not the nicest conversation, as you can imagine. Yeah. But then when we get to the ground and we're queuing up to go in, the stewards were doing what you're saying there. So they were like, all right, lads, you're okay. We've got this new uh, electronic turnstile, whatever. You know, I had to chat about things like that. And it does sort of... It breaks Put your the ice, ease, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I, and I think the sort of, like I said before, about the way a lot of the police are and, and still are, about the sort of looking at you in a certain way, speaking to you in a certain tone. If you're asking for advice, you're getting sort of one-word, two-word answers. I don't think any of that helps. And, you know, the clubs the clubs as well could do more. You know, why, why not sort of ask away fans... You know, do you want to go for a drink? This pub's a good one to go to. Do you know how to get to the ground? It's this bus, it's this train. You know, and just make it feel a bit more welcome. And instead of it feeling like you're these people in a strange town and we just want you in and out as fast as possible and we, and we assume you're a problem. Yeah. Well, that's what support liaison officers are for, yeah. isn't it? And this is a conversation I'm actually having with the police because the police are increasingly using Twitter, which is great. Mm. But now I'm finding myself saying to the police, look, you're using Twitter, which is fantastic, but by telling people which pubs to go to, you are actually doing the job of the supporter liaison officer. And is it really your job to be telling people where they can and can't drink? And they see that, but until the clubs start utilising the SLOs as they should be utilised, then the police will carry on putting out that information. But it it is, you're right, it's, it's all about tone setting, isn't it? And if you're met with like a hostile wall of bouncers what what's that telling you that that's not telling you hi liverpool fans we really welcome you to our club we're really appreciative of you getting up at four o'clock in the morning traveling the length of the country that's not saying that is it that what they are saying is oh god here you come again you lot are a load of trouble two or three seasons ago this happened that happened so we can't trust you now without all of these security men and did you had a really bad experience at um, Man City, didn't mm. you, with the stewarding yeah. there, who were facing you? Yeah, they were facing us and telling us to to go away and uh, and to behave and to not give anything back. When I was being faced by a set of fans who were singing songs, which in my interpretation were about Hillsborough. Uh, and so I wasn't very happy about it. And so I was saying to the steward, can you not see right behind you the type of behaviour that's happening there? And yet your response is, assume I'm the problem. And th- why don't you speak to them? But he had no interest in that. No. It was just, you know, you get away, you go away, you go down there, I'll go and get the police if you don't. And it's like, of course that's going to frustrate. <laughs> and it, it did. Is. <laughs> of course. And, and why get the police? I know, what am I doing? I'm what asking are you a question. Doing? <laughs> you are saying, look, these people are being really provocative deal with it and in response i'm going to get the police unless you shut up where else would that happen apart from football 
it just wouldn't, would it? Anywhere. Exactly, I know. I, I think I think what's frustrating from a fan's perspective as well is sort of the inconsistency. So, you know, some of the stuff Owen talked about was fantastic and, you know, really refreshing to hear. And yet, you know, I think by his own admission, he would say that he's still got a job to do with a lot of, you know, traditional policemen, if you like, or policewomen as well, who, who've got a certain view of football fans. It seems that the same sort of view exists within clubs, with stewards and with everything else. So you might go somewhere that where they're a little bit more progressive and they might say aye to you and they might be nice to you but then the following week you could go to a completely different away different force and you get the old school version yeah. and it's sort of you know how, how how can we all sort of make the, the the approach more consistent really particularly now because football is ultimately a community event isn't it mm. and we all know what's happening in the world of policing it's the same as the nhs and everything else you know their numbers are being decimated their morale is really low Lots of people, general publics, miss the days of seeing the old Bobby on the street. You will hear from the police, we miss the days of being able to walk the street. You know, they stick us in a car and we don't talk to anybody. Then you've got a football match, which is where else would you get 10, 15, 25,000 upwards people from generally your local community on your doorstep? There's just no other event, is there, apart mm. from football. And yet what you generally see, with exceptions, is, as you said, you know, groups of two or three cops together talking to each other, ignoring the people that are going past them. And for a lot of people, football is the only time that they see the police. Use it as a PR exercise. Mm. You know, we know they've got a shit job. We know that they might have been up till four o'clock in the morning telling somebody that their child, you know, horrific things that you and I don't even have to think about. But ultimately... They would have known that when they joined the job, wouldn't they? And at the risk of sounding really harsh, it's not our fault they might have had a really shitty shift before they come on to do football. It's not our fault that they might have had their rest day cancelled. But if they talk to us and engage with us, then it, we would buy into that more, wouldn't we? We would be we would become more sympathetic to them and it would just break down the them and us barriers. I think so. I mean, the other one I wanted to get on on stewarding as well, and you know, there's been various examples, and, and like I said earlier, you know, anyone who would sort of follow your Twitter feed can see various things every weekend, every time football matches are played. But I think one that might stick in in heads this season early was earlier on in the season. Obviously, was um, incidents with stewards actually asking to search bras and this oh, ridiculous God, yeah. situation. I mean, you know, ha how, but how does that happen? <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. You know, back to what you said before and what I was saying as well. I mean, in what other... In what other context or circumstance would that happen in society? That's absolutely mad. You would be searched like that going into the Houses of Commons because... <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to a football but, match. But you are going to a football match. We all know, don't we? You know, security is heightened um, because of the terror threat, blah, blah, blah. So searching is getting more robust. I think as a rule of thumb, people understand that and they don't necessarily... You know, they might not like it, but they're going to accept it more mm. because it's all under the barrier keeping you safe. But when you've got somebody... Uh, what what happened at Stevenage? Grimsby Town away fans haven't got the best of reputations and to some extent it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So they turn up at Stevenage and apparently Stevenage have been told Pyro's coming in, you know, these are the worst fans you're ever going to have. So you can imagine the atmosphere before a ball has even kicked. There's this idea that some women will take in Pyro for men. Whether that's true or not, I have genuinely no idea. Um, so the females were being searched around their breast area rather more thoroughly than usual. And some of the security... The, stewards had these security ones so of course if a woman's wearing an underwired bra 
the underwire would cause the security thing to bleep. Mm. So instead of just accepting, just instead of just asking underwire bra, they actually asked to check if the bra was underwired or not, which just really is taking it, isn't it, to the absolute nth degree. Uh, and it, it wasn't just that, you know, there, there were stories that the stewarding were just generally really hostile. Um, a dad had his little boy and his little boy had his rucksack with a few snacks in it. He wasn't allowed to take those in. I mean, th- there's just no rhyme or reason to it, is there? Um, it wasn't help that Stevenage didn't handle the complaints very well they immediately went into massive defensive Mm. mode about it and were just very unhelpful didn't help um i think broadly speaking most people accept it when things go tits up no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) all they want is just uh we're sorry we got that wrong we we, you know we didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable Mm. next time you come we'll make sure it's different but instead of that you know as i said all very defensive um the football league also got involved and the outcome of their report which was effectively no woman actually showed her bra well we know that we know that nobody, no woman actually lifted her top to show her bra. That's not the point. The point is that they were asked to. Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, the Football League, for them to carry out an investigation is very unusual. So the fact they did it, great, thank you very much. But I think it could have been handled slightly better to inspire more confidence in supporters. And I think it was a bit of, not an own goal, but they missed a trick. I think the Football League in, in not saying, look, we know that you might not be happy with the outcome of the report, but we have been as thorough as we possibly yeah. can be. But they did very interestingly say, if you want to take this further, go to the Ombudsman. So maybe you could say, read between the lines in that. And they were wanting more fans to complain. I mean, this sort of wanted to get you on as well. I mean, we can see that in roads are being made with, with police forces, some police forces more than others, obviously. Uh, we can see as well on Twitter that sometimes even when you're just tweeting about about these types of issues you will actually see you know police engaging with you and saying oh, i'd be interested to meet you and have a chat with you we're, we're, we're open to new ideas which is fantastic to see i think from a football supporters perspective but what about clubs though i mean we were talking here about about the stewards and about the inconsistencies and the standards and who they might be employing are there any conversations taking place are any clubs op- open in that way that some forces have shown are they w- will they listen to the likes of yourself to say okay we might have a problem here and what should we be doing about it mixed bag really mm. um i think a lot of club safety officers are ex police officers from a different generation yeah. a different time and they've got that mentality now they've got their metaphoric uniform still hanging on the back of the door and they won't be told that there is there are any problems in fact um man united were away to huddersfield quite recently and there was a few pictures being tweeted of not a crush but it looked like too many people outside the turnstiles and a few of the united fans were saying you know the stewards weren't very good there was no communication nobody was telling us what was going on so i wrote quite a short email to huddersfield town um i thought it was quite a tactful one you know the perception was of the manchester united fans that the the steward you know the communication could have been better blah blah blah. i tried not to be my how i would have been 10 years ago which was quite your shit because that yeah you've learned now that gets you nowhere the response i got back from the club was extraordinary it was bordering on hostile um first of all they said thank you for your complaint well it wasn't a complaint it was just saying um incredibly they said um fans turning up at 20 to 3 were late 20 minutes before kickoff yeah 
Now, we all know that fans... It always has 15 on your ticket, doesn't it? So what is it on about? I know, I know. It's just fans are encouraged more and more to get to 10 stars early. But you've got to be pragmatic, haven't you? With the best will in the world, you are not going to get fans, particularly away fans, turning up an hour before kickoff. Since football began, football fans will turn up 15, 20 minutes before yeah. kickoff, particularly away fans. I take the very simplistic view. You know that, you prepare for it, exactly. and you deal with it. So I'm still sort of formulating the response back to Huddersfield, but it will express disappointment that, you know, I'm trying to get a constructive dialogue going here. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm not going to say, I'm not talking about suing you. Why not just speak to me in the spirit that I want to speak to you rather than this very hostile... The wall going up and yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that, that's a strange one, isn't it? And it, I, w- I wonder as well, I mean, you know... We have talked. We've referenced a few times that people now more and more do put things on Twitter. We'll take bits of video and pictures and stuff. Do you think the culture's changing a little bit? Because what what I mean by that is, it seems to me that football fans have almost accepted the loss for a long time. And so, you know, if, if we are treated in a certain way by police, by authorities, by stewards, or whatever, everyone will just sort of shrug it off and go, yeah. "Well, that's just part of football." But one of the ways to make a change it is by by shouting about it basically isn't it is is by contacting yeah. the likes of yourself and getting in touch with clubs and saying actually you know it's 2017 now and it's not 1980s we, we should have moved on and so actually we don't want to deal with this anymore and I'm not happy about this anymore I mean there's things that about you know relatively low level in the grand scheme of things things that have happened to me that I think if they happen now I would be shouting about it but I wonder whether the, whether some of them would happen in, in the age of social media so for it I mean, what I'm talking about, so I went to Old Trafford once and I, I literally had the copper goading me for being a scouser, mm. calling me all kinds, because he was a mank. And, and you know, you're going to get, maybe you're going to get that to an extent, but I think when they know that everyone's got a, got a phone on them and can film them. Yeah, I think make, that's definitely made people much more wary. Yeah. The police have got to accept being filmed unless, you know, they're, they're not going to accept if they're nicking someone and someone sticks an iPhone like two inches from their mm. nose. But general day-to-day stuff on the street, part and parcel of their job to be filmed. Inside a stadium with stewards, it's a, it's a bit of a grey area because a football club is private property. So a steward has got every right to turn around to somebody and say, stop filming me. But as so, as we're so often told, if you've got nothing to hide, what's the problem? Yeah. And exactly the same should apply to stewards. And it is really good that people are now taking out their phones and filming what's going on but the, uh, and reporting things on Twitter. But reporting things on Twitter isn't making a complaint. Mm. Every now and again, if something if somebody doesn't come to me, but I can see enough on Twitter or forums, I will take it up directly. But my general rule is, unless somebody comes to me directly, I don't take up a complaint. So people will say, oh, fair cop, look at this on Twitter. And I say, yeah, contact details are in my profile. They're still not getting in touch in their numbers because of the what you said what, and what I call the expect and accept mentality. Yeah. It takes two seconds to go on Twitter, doesn't it, and say, look at this, this is outrageous. It takes five minutes to send me an email with a bit more detail. I just need people to spend that extra four and a half minutes because I'm only ever as good as the information that I receive. And as I said, sometimes I'll take something up if people don't come to me, if it's serious enough. But in the main anecdotal evidence sometimes isn't strong enough for a complaint or an issue to be raised is the i mean we know about your work because obviously we've had you in a couple of times now and we've had these chats but is there anyone else sort of 
doing this type of work? Is there, a, you know, because there's other organisations, obviously. So, is there anyone sort of anyone else pushing for reform almost around around this? Thankfully, there is now recognition that something needs to be done about stewarding. Um, the Sports Ground Safety Authority know it and the clubs know it and the football safety officers themselves know it. So they are now looking at reforming the training around stewards, which is hugely encouraging. Would it be churlish to say it's too late? Well, it's never too late. But as I said right at the start, they knew that, or they should have recognised that the police were going to pull out more and more from our stadiums. Football clubs have for too long relied on the police. Football clubs have not invested in stewarding and they've not invested in steward training because it's all too easy to pick up the phone, isn't it, or to tender out. And then it's not your problem, it's somebody else's problem. But even there, you know, I don't know who Liverpool contract out there stewarding, but that contract, I'm sure, will say you must supply a minimum of 200 stewards every match day supposing that company can only find 150 stewards what do they do they they will probably start picking up the phone to the lesser and the lesser and the lesser and the mm. lesser reputable companies and then you, does the liverpool safety officer know who is in his stadium does he know what training they've got does he know that they speak good enough english does he know that those stewards know the layout of the stadium and again, you know, with a terror threat, if we've got to be subjected to having our bras searched, stewards need to know the layout of the stadium. I guarantee you that they won't, and they should. Even having said that, you know, I recognise the difficulties in employing somebody, uh, enough people and training them, but with all the resources that, you know, your Liverpools and your Everton's and your Man United's mm. and your West Ham's got, is there any real excuse for them not to do it? And I remember several years ago now, a, a good four or five years ago, I was at Wembley with a, a meeting talking about supporter behaviour and there was lots of people around the table from virtually every single stakeholder in football that you can think of. Even back then I was saying that the stewarding is poor. You know, I've seen too many situations escalate from minor to major because of the stewarding. What every stadium needs is a pro rata number of Call them super stewards, you know, with really good communication skills, dynamic risk assessment skills, who knows and understands football fans. The response from around that table was, oh, what should we call them, Amanda? Should we call them pink and fluffy? See, well, yeah, why I know. Is, why is I the know. Rough? <laughs> that is just, isn't it? And, yeah. and that, not everybody in football, of course not everybody in football, there's some really, really, really good people in football. But when that's the response to my suggesting what I thought was really sensible, pink and fluffy. That, that's I mean, just... I mean, I, I said to Owen when we had Owen in that, you know, so I, I got plenty of responses to, to both the show with Owen and, and to the show with Clifford. And, you know, most of them were, were positive. Most of them could see why this work needs to be done and why there needs to be a bit of a change. But but then equally, I did get a few responses and, and, and some of them that ended up being back and forth as Twitter does to you, particularly me. Um, but back and forth about sort of, oh, well, all football fans are angels then, are they? And it was like, well, no, no, I'm not saying that. That, that isn't my argument. But what I'm saying is there's plenty that, while not being angels, they're not doing much wrong. They're just going to watch a game of footy, but they're treated in a certain way. And, and there's a bit of, I almost wonder whether there's sometimes a bit of a chicken and egg thing, almost, whether, you know, when you're, you're treated in a certain way, so you almost start acting that way. Yeah, and and it and it's if if, the, if you know the pink and fluffy thing really annoys me because I just think if the atmosphere is more f is friendlier, if you if you're made to feel welcome, 
and there's been some efforts towards that, some of them better than others, then it, it just does it diffuse, sets the tone, yeah, it? diffuses yeah. the situation a little bit and it, it feels a little less on top and it diffuses, doesn't feel like there's that edge because even things like kettling you and putting you in certain parts of the of the ground around the ground outside that can almost make you a target because you know when I've when they've done a bit of kettling around Old Trafford and things in the past. Well, straight away, anyone walking past goes, oh, there's the Liverpool fans. And so all of a sudden, they're shouting all kinds at you. And all of a sudden, you're shouting things back. And all of a sudden, the mood's changed. Yeah. Whereas if you were just allowed to get in there on your own steam, make your way in, in ones and twos, then that situation it doesn't happen. It it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, again, and Owen and Cliff said the same. How you're policed and stewarded absolutely plays into the dynamic of your behaviour. Yeah. You know, if you, if you step off a train and you are, you know, you can hear the police dogs barking around the corner and there's a cop standing there with a camera, You somewhere in your head that is saying that, hang on a minute, they're thinking that I'm about to kick off here, but I'm mm. not. I'm a normal bloke who spent two hours on a train, spent 100 quid on my train ticket. Why am I being treated like this? But then the people who aren't angels, they love it. Yeah. Because it, it, it legitimises them, doesn't it? It says to them, you're a bad man, you're a hooligan, we are going to treat you like this. And it makes those quite sad individuals, I think, feel very important. But as we both recognised, it is getting better. But stewarding, absolutely a real concern. You know, I don't want to be a drama queen and say that somebody's going to die, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if we do see serious injuries inflicted on supporters by stewards because they're just... You you can you cannot have the nightclub type bouncer stewards in a football stadium. You know that their, their first response being physical and aggressive just doesn't help, does it? In fact, I, I'm not one of these women who plays the I'm a woman card and I want more women here, there, and everywhere. But I absolutely think that female stewards. We need more and more and more female stewards in our stadiums because I think the vast majority of men have a a level of respect for a woman that they don't have for a man. And I was at Chester Wrexham mm. last night and I was talking to this um, female supervisor steward. She was absolutely brilliant. She just had something about her that said, don't mess with me. But at the same time, she was really friendly. And I said, how does this lot treat you? This lot being the more vocal home fans. And she said, they eat out the palm of my hand. They love me. Mm. They wouldn't see a hair on my head harmed. And I just thought that's absolutely how it should be. And again, you know, with um, I was at, Anfield when you played Manchester United in the UEFA Cup they had female stewards on the turnstile so you can imagine can't you all the United blokes yeah come on darling you can search me and all that kind of stuff again that woman was absolutely brilliant you know she heard one stupid comment she heard a hundred every single United fan was smiled at told to enjoy the game laughed at and it just diffused so they all went in with a smile on their face because they were dealt with by somebody that got the the banter like Everton, though, there's a balance, isn't there? Because, I mean, I, something, something's happened at Liverpool in very recent times because in the last in the last game, last home game, for some reason, they made an announcement over the time, 80-odd minutes, thanking everyone for the support, uh, saying, have a, have a safe journey home. There was 10 minutes left. There was 10 minutes left of the game and everyone's looking at each other saying, why are they telling yeah. me to go home, basically? And so that didn't go down well. And then also, on, when, you, when you did file out, and, and no one, well, some people might have gone on an ATI, I ate that as well, but anyway, that's another show. But when we did all file out, uh, lo- loads of the stewards had ho- obviously been told to, to make an effort to say, bye, thanks for your support yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Because that doesn't normally happen, Everyone's like, what? Well, yeah. 
<laughs> and so it was. It was, a, it was they a can't bit, win, can they? No, and then no. they're doing what we say they should yeah. doing, and then when they do do it, but doesn't that doesn't that tell you something? That just tells you that for years and years and years and years and years, you've not had that. No, you, you've exactly. not had the basic common courtesy of recognition, of your support, the money you've paid for the ticket, of you turning up for 90 minutes, be it boiling hot or freezing cold. And when it does happen, you're taken by surprise. Yeah. And this is from an industry that sells itself as this, you know, we welcome people from all corners of the globe. We want you here. We want families. We want women. We want kids. When they're nice to you, you think, what the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Okay, well, uh, that's been another interesting show with, with Amanda. Thanks very much for coming in today. Um, and, and as we've said through the show and on previous shows, if you have got problems as a football fan with policing or stewarding issues, Amanda's a, good, a great place to start um, in terms of getting help. Um, she's on Twitter. It's at FSF underscore fair cop, one word there. Um, look her up. And like I say, if you want to report something or you want to highlight an issue, Amanda can help you with that. So thanks again, Amanda. That's a um, pleasure. Thank you that, for having me. That's been the cup of tea. Sports Social Podcast Network.